and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media. We're a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Reese, aka Referees, and alongside my good friend Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo. Hot Take Mondo, is it as hot in Cooperstown as it is in Kansas City today? Because it is otherworldly hot right now. Oh, no, it's fine here. In fact, it's more rainy and cold than anything out here. We actually had a tornado warning last week during a show, and they had to call the show off like like during the show because now in COVID times, we do outdoor performances. Um, so, mm. yeah, we actually had to, to cut the show like halfway, and Francesca, who runs the program, was like, I'm sorry, everyone's got to go. And I was like, oh, my gosh. But then the tornado warning went away. Tell me about how hot it is, Reese, though. Well, I mean, today legitimately before, what do you call it, the heat index, was that like a solid 100 degrees? You know, it was hot, even by Kansas City standards. And it's ironic because there was a string of about five years where I was spending summers in cool weather climates. Like I was in San Francisco a few years, I was in Cooperstown for a few years. And I'm just like, you know what, I miss having nice hot summers. You know, like I have not had just like weeks upon weeks of hot summer weather for a while and then i moved to kansas city full-time and it just became like you know exactly what i wanted except now it's like monkey's paw it's like <laughs> i want hot summers and it's like and subsequently we get days like today or stretches like we've had this week where i can't remember the last time it was below 94 before heat index invigorating <laughs> well i don't like moist heat like in Kansas City, I mean, that heat is mm-hmm. really brutal. I'm from Phoenix, so like I know heat, right? Like yep. I spent the summers playing basketball for 10 minutes outside because it was, a, it was 115 degrees outside. But like a Kansas City 91, 92. Oh, yeah. I would rather endure a Phoenix 115. Oh, totally. And I, I spent a few weeks out in Utah once, which I assume is fairly similar to Phoenix. You know, you get out there in the Red Rocks, it's like bacon hot, 105 degrees, but it's all dry heat. You know, it's not not making you sweat, not making you swim. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not too bad. But hey, Miss Kansas City, love it. Glad it's going well out there, buddy. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Kansas City misses you too, Armando. Any talk about when you're going to come back through on your way back from Cooperstown? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I still have to give you those dates. But yeah, it'll be soon. It'll be uh, before you know it. Probably like, let's see, 26, 27, 28, 29. Probably like the 29th, August 29th, August 30th-ish. Right on. I'll be here. Cool. I'll be here. Let's party. Dude, we should like... Try and go to a Chiefs preseason game or something. Oh, dude. Yeah, I don't know how long I can stay because I have to teach. I'm now teaching at Colorado State University in Pueblo, and then I have a gig in Connecticut. So I have to learn that music and teach those kids. Yeah, dude. Welcome to Fountain City Opera Media, the podcast made by opera fans for opera fans. Anyway, if you love opera as much as you love dank memes, then you should check out our Instagram at Fountain City SM, which also lines up with our Twitter and Facebook at Fountain City SM. And if you just like listening to this podcast, consider becoming a friend of the podcast and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash FCSM. Just a shout out to our listeners. We got some episodes of season zero posted on there for your viewing pleasure. If you like lo-fi ham radio quality sound then check out where we came from like i believe it was uh socrates once said started from the bottom now we're here oh gosh 
<laughs> I have I have nothing to say to that. But it is funny going down to like all our first posts at Instagram. We've definitely come a long way, and we've definitely given Reese like full reign on those stonk memes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Cease and desist on the memes just from all angles. Oof, speaking great. about cease and desist, we're going to talk about that a little later. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So the news that was in Kansas City this week, I think we should start with the thing that's hottest off the press. Oh, you know, shall one we? One hot weather day deserves one hot take. Let's do it. This, yeah, this might uh, be the most breakingest news we've done on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Danny Duffy, a.k.a. Mr. Royal for Life, bless his heart, is no longer a Kansas City Royal. He has been traded to Sheesh. the Los Angeles Dodgers for picks to be named later. Cool. Armando, what do you think we're going to get out of this? <laughs> I don't know, like a Cracker Jack box? Well, I was going to say... <laughs> and like some guy named like Lanny Luffy from Venezuela that's on their farm system? I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm not too excited about it, honestly. Instant reaction. Not great. I don't know what player... Because the player isn't named and going to be named later, I don't like that scenario. I think if it was someone that Kansas City was like really trying to get or someone that they really wanted, I think that name would have been revealed but because this whole like banter of will be named later i really don't like that well this is why i'm confused this is why i'm glad you brought up cracker jack box because i was hearing in the national media like three-fourths of the nl west were in a bidding war over danny duffy i'm talking the giants the padres and the dodgers the three contenders and the fact that we traded him for a player to be named later what were the other offers? Player to be named this minute? Was that it? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm I'm wondering whether it was just like they were offering cash deals or something for Danny, which would have been really sad. Or maybe some like other, you know, retiring guy or like some older veteran. Um, so I'm sure the Dodgers were probably one of the only bidders to say you can pick from our farm system out of this list, maybe which is scary mm -hmm. because like why can't we get the best farm player for Danny Duffy especially since Danny's going to help that Dodgers team a lot they also just got Max Scherzer like what in the world Wait, is this what? LA Dodgers team? yes same day when did they get Scherzer Dude, they was I just sleeping? got Scherzer as well I mean this Dodgers team is unfreaking real dude and I I'm still trying to wrap my head around it all. All to say, I think Danny's going to contribute tremendously to this Dodgers team, and I'm really rooting for him as a Kansas City fan. I mean, we we love Danny Duffy, so I really do hope he does well. But because I know he will do well, it shouldn't be like a list of players that Dade Moore gets to pick from. You know what I mean? Like, we should know who we're getting from this. So that's why I'm a little disappointed. But yeah, dude, Max Scherzer's on the Dodgers now. Of course he is, dude. They're going to acquire everything. Like, the Dodgers are just like Thanos going around acquiring every Infinity Stone from all the farm systems and <laughs> franchises like us. <laughs> it's super sad. I hope not, dude, because then poof, we're gone. Well, I can tell you, I'm frustrated we didn't trade Danny Duffy earlier in the year when it was already to the point where it was apparent we were not going to make the playoffs. I think it was the second or third time we lost 10 games out of 12 games. Ugh. And Danny was still pitching lights out. He had a sub-2 ERA and was looking like a sleeper Cy Young contender. Mm -hmm. But he's had a few injuries. He's currently on the I.O. with forearm, stress, or forearm strains on his throwing arm, which is not good. So I've been reading reports, too, that the player to be named will have a better chance of him being named as soon as Danny gets off the I.L. Oh, I so see. So I think I they see. essentially took a flyer for him. So for them, it's a very low risk, high reward move. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. But yeah, I don't know, man. It's 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 really strange to process, and I just wish that there was more justification for this because Danny means so much to Kansas City, and because we're just kind of out in the blue, and this is Dayton Moore's like, eh, whatever. I guess people are going to be leaving. I mean, we're hearing Merrifield, we're hearing Carlos Santana, you know, we're hearing all these names, and it really means something for Kansas City to be leaving, for these people to be leaving. So I just wish, you know, there was something hopeful out of the Danny Duffy trade. Well, I think the hopeful thing is that this is just going to be a few month rental for the Dodgers because Danny's a free agent after this year. So maybe, you know, the thought is he'll come back to Kansas City for cheap in the offseason. Yeah, you know, that's what the Yankees. Yankees did that the world as Chapman a few years ago. Dude, look at look at the pitching rotation for the Dodgers. Kershaw, David Price, Scherzer, Danny Duffy. Don't they have Bauer as well? Yes, unless they just traded him. I don't think so. I, I know he was like away on leave for reasons, yeah. but I'm not sure. Yeah, he's not. On MLB.com on the roster, he is not on the roster. But also, this is also alludes to it. We can add this in the podcast. It's fine. It's fair. But this also tells you how much they believe in Trevor Bauer and if he's going to come back. You know what I mean? Well, here's my question for you. You listed Duffy in the list of rotation, guys. Do you think Duffy's going to be the number four starter, or do you think he's going to be a middle reliever or a late inning eater i think that they have the luxury to do either but because danny was playing so well and was giving you six solid innings i think they'd put him in the rotation especially for the playoffs i mean danny duffy in the playoffs he's gonna do great by the way dodgers also get trey turner really (laughs) yeah dude this i don't understand what's going on right now like are the do do the dodgers have like a billion dollar budget i mean Yes, because they're the Dodgers and they live in Los Angeles. But like, literally, is it exactly a billion? Because this is ridiculous. It's it's got to be pretty close, right? Uh, no, it's like two hundred, two hundred seventy-five mil. I think was was what well, I just saw. Only right two hundred seventy-five mil. Yeah. Wow. Color me surprised. Well, I can see Danny Duffy sitting in kind of that Chris Young role, like he was for us in the World Series run. Mm-hmm. He's your number four starter, but you put him in there with the intent of anything over three innings is gravy. You know, it's like maybe like that's your day where Duffy starts three, throw another dude out there for like two, and then just kind of make your way to the end of the game with your your bullpen after that. Yeah, that's you probably know. what's going to happen. So if they want Irving Santana to add that list, I mean, heck, fire sale. Take him if you want. <laughs> Give us some more prospects to be named later. I don't think we can get prospects for Irving, but that would be that'd be nice. Well, speaking of Royals and trade pieces, Dayton Moore is notorious for playing his hand close to his chest and not putting any chips into the pot when it comes time to sell. Do you think this year will be any different with talks of the Seattle Mariners really going after Whit Merrifield? We have other trade pieces like Carlos Santana, Jorge Soler. Do you see any of those guys getting moved before the trade deadline? I think realistically, it would be smart to trade Soler just because he's absolutely awful. But I think that some teams are still intrigued by 2017, 2018 Solaire, that they would make a trade and actually bring value to the team. So we will see about Solaire. He just, uh, uh, Dane Moore just said in a press conference, I don't know where, but it could have been today or yesterday, where he said that he would rather keep 
multiple year contract players and not try to get off them now because he doesn't have to get off them now. But like you said, holds it close to the hand. I wouldn't be surprised if Solaire's gone tomorrow and Wit's gone tomorrow. I would like to see Solaire gone. It'd be great to just keep Wit. But I love how quickly we have gone from being so excited in the beginning of this year to then being less excited but still being a hope. And now it's just a straight cluster F, if I may. Well, it's like I almost hate the fact that they've taken eight of nine, including some games over the White Sox yeah. and the Brewers. Because, and and, because and now- our pitching looks good. I think I've, I looked at a stat as well. The past, was it 20 starts? I think that uh, Royal starting rotation is like has a 3.4 ERA or something, 3.40. That's great. Well, I mean, Brad Keller seemingly starting to find his stride. Daniel Lynch threw a gem the other evening going yeah. eight straight innings. So here's what I'm super worried about, though. And this is just like the most Dayton Moore-led team to the core is that they're going to show some promise this year, kind of do better with each month in the back half of the season and maybe play like 500 ball in September. And Dayton's going to be like, well, I think this team's right to win next year. And they come out next year and they fall flat on their face and do exactly what they did this year. And it's like, well, we couldn't get it together in the first half of the season. It's like, why? What happened to the momentum from last season? <laughs> what changed in the offseason that this team fell apart? Is it because of this coaching staff where nobody seems to know how to diagnose or fix anything? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've had that conversation already about, you know, does the pitching staff go? I don't know what's happening, but I think next year... If these pitchers that we have spoken highly of the entire year and even pre-draft, you know, thought these were the aces of the future, if they are still not producing, goodbye. What I want to see this half season, which we could technically be on pace to do right now, but I need to see like an Oakland Athletics Moneyball light run. You know how they had that like 20-some game win streak back in the early 2000s? You've seen Moneyball, right? Yeah. We don't necessarily need to go on something like that and make the playoffs and go, oh my gosh, how did they do this from last to first? But I want to see something similar to that because I think we're on pace to have over 90 losses right now still. I either want it to be like a straight another 100 loss season so we can say, what's the excuse this time, Dayton? He had plenty of talent and plenty of young talent. Or I want this team to be so close to dominant this back half season that it's like, okay, I do believe the pieces are starting to click and we can roll this over to next year and have a competitive team. But to me, that's going to mean somehow finding a way to win upwards of 76 plus wins. 76 to 500 <laughs> is what I'm sitting at right now. For I'm serious. This is the show me state. Show me that, Royals. I want to see that or get out. You know, I wish I was as optimistic as you, Reese, but we've seen that before with the Royals where they've made a run towards the end of the season or they're looking great i mean i know we've talked about adoberto mondesi looking really good towards the end of the season and us you know for the beginning of the season going you know what he looked great all our pitching staff looked great at the end of the season we've seen that before man i mean great if they look good but yeah they better freaking look good at the beginning of the season because if they don't that's it especially with this new ownership i don't think they're going to take it lightly anymore and do it the old way, the old Dayton Moore, the old Ned Yost college try. I would like to believe that's the case, but like I said, I'm going to need to see some semblance of consistency across the board from players, not just some hot out the back half of the all-star break kind of run that they normally go on, you know, and 
I don't want it to be another case of the teams that know they aren't going to win this year, which you can find out by the All-Star break, have started selling, have started tanking, have started packing up for next year. So the Royals eat on those cupcakes, get some false wins, false confidence, hurt their draft stock, and they're like, I think we're going to be pretty good. Spoiler alert, they were not very good. (laughs) That's all I want to avoid. I think it's about all we have to cover about the Royals this week. I do want to give some love to our boys in Sporting Blue. That's right, Sporting Kansas City this past weekend went to Seattle and punched them straight in the mouth to the tune of a 3-1 victory. Armando, what are your takeaways from that game? You know, hot take Mondo here, Reese. We knew this was going to happen. You know, Seattle didn't know this would happen, but we knew. Last week, I had talked about on the podcast, I was like, there is no better time than right now for Sporting to upset Seattle because of their injuries, because of Sporting's hot streak, right? Shallow, we look amazing. Johnny Russell, everyone is just on stride. I'm so proud of the Sporting team. We knew that was going to happen. Dude, we talked about playoffs. I mean, oh my goodness. This is this is the giant that we needed to beat to prove that we are this perennial team ready to go into the MLS playoffs. So I am pumped, man. This is going to be exciting when Polito comes back and everybody comes back, man. Oh, man. And all, we also don't even know if Busio is going to be gone for the entire season. He could be here for the rest of the season. There's a lot of implications here that are going to be pretty good. What are your takes, Reese? Well... I am pretty pleased as punch about this because Seattle kept, you know, thumping on their chest saying, hey, guess what? Uh, we're playing a bunch of 16-year-olds and we're still killing everybody. Ha ha, this is great. Nobody can stop us. Just think if we're at full health. Well, you kind of had your best goal scorer out there who put up a big, uh, let's see, zero. Uh, you also had us without two of our best players in Pulido and Busu not being there. Not to mention... Our manager was in COVID quarantine, so you had like our second string manager out there, and we still came out there and punched you guys right in the mouth. Now, here's the problem. When you knock someone else down, you obviously have some sort of power vacuum, and the new team up there running their mouth is the New England Revolution. And they're saying, yeah, we're the front runners for the Shield this year, guys. You know, I think we have the best away record right now. We really should be playing in the finals against Seattle. And it's like, excuse me, is everyone forgetting about the fact that we are now two points away from being the top of the West, have beaten every single contender in the West right now? It's like, is are, are people sleeping on Sporting Kansas City? Is that even possible at this point to be second and have people sleeping on Sporting Kansas City? Oh, totally. I mean, because people don't watch these small market teams like we do, man. That's why this podcast is so important, because we are here to bring the fire. We are here to tell the national media what they need to hear about our teams. We are real. We are here. And you better get ready for those playoffs, baby. Well, I just want to say one last thing before I get off my soapbox here. Uh, I'm going to have to pull out a Johnny Gomes thing right now. Remember his, his World Series speech? Oh, no. Seattle Sounders, beat them. Yeah, LA yeah, Galaxy, yeah, right. <laughs> beat them. Colorado Rockies, beat them. LAFC, most popular team in the league, but we beat them too. I think the only teams on here we haven't beat that are in the top 10 in the West are Portland and Minnesota. I don't think, have we even had a crack against Minnesota yet? Mm, no. Case in point, 
Seattle still has one match played on us, and they're only up two. So if we can win our next match, we can take that first place in the table by the throat. Let's go. Let's go. I'm all about this. I'll go wear my scarf out at a Children's Mercy Field 100 degree weather. I'll do that for glory <laughs> and for team. Because we go hard here at Fountain City Sports Media. We absolutely go hard. Speaking of going hard, I think it's time to take people to the school of hard knocks and do a little bit of craft beer talk. I'm ready, baby. Let's roll. favorite time of the podcast that's right it is time for this week in craft beer the part of the show where we talk about a story going on of this week in craft beer and also sit down and review a delicious craft beer for your listening pleasure this week our article comes from a website called the conversation and it's titled for some craft beer drinkers less can mean more and i know in this podcast a few weeks ago we talked about how consumer trends are ch- changing in the beer market Primarily, people were drinking a lower volume of higher ABV beers. Now, this article kind of correlates in that, and it's saying that people are being more willing to drink lower ABV beers, but at a higher volume. And the big thing is, and I know you and I have talked about this, Armando, is just how beers nowadays are almost in an arms race for how much flavor can you add and keep the ABV down at the same time. Yeah, man. I mean, it's 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 really a crazy phenomenon in the last year or so, and it could be because of COVID. It could not be, but definitely the trend that I've seen when I've gone to parties post COVID or being at events like opera events, everyone's drinking truly. Everyone's drinking seltzers. Even like lagers seem out of fashion just for like the everyday person. Now, both of you and I grew up in like a craft beer community, so it may be normal for us to have like a Pilsner or maybe I'll have an IPA today. But honestly, man, the non-craft brewery scene, you're not seeing any beer anymore. And it's really strange. Super, super strange to see. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you mentioned the seltzers because those are obviously a really big train right now. You know, for what even a few years ago was basically just truly in White Claw and there was nothing else. I mean, now every one of the grandmas putting out a seltzer, even someplace like Torn Label downtown, you and I saw is putting out a seltzer right now and they are getting better. Seltzers are still way behind beers in terms of knowing what you're going to get. I'm happy to say Boulevard Quirks knocking straight out of Coffin Stadium. But in regards to beers, are you seeing a lot of IPAs kind of go sessionable nowadays and not just do that, but are more palatable and taste better than the former kind of just like, no pun intended, seltzery water IPAs of the past? Um, I haven't seen that trend where I have been. Like, I haven't seen any of the okay. major breweries in Colorado switch to session IPAs. I think that we're seeing a... Uh, I, we are seeing a division between like hardcore craft breweries and those that are maybe changing and okay you want lighter here we go but I think like the really good breweries that are making great IPAs like Odell, New Belgium, Weldworks, um, even you know people down in Denver like Our Mutual Friend uh, you know these are very coveted craft beer places 
they're staying true to the IPA style, whether it's hazy, whether it's West Coast. Um, I haven't seen a lot of these like low calorie IPA things. Some have tried it, but honestly, I think these breweries that are known to make great beer are going to stick with it regardless of the trends to be sessionable, to be lower ABV, low calorie. It's just hard to make a quality beer like that. You know what I mean? So I think they're staying for quality. And if it means quantity of people is less, so be it. You know, it's interesting that you brought up the concept of the fitness beers because you do see a lot of major breweries at least throwing their hat into the ring in those regards. I mean, Bell's tried the light-hearted, you know, version of their two-hearted. Which is supposed Boulevard to be good. I've never had, had it, but it's supposed to be good. I, I have heard it's pretty good. I have heard it's pretty good. You know, Boulevard put out the the Easy Sport Rally Ale that had the electrolytes in it. I know uh, your place, Weldworks, actually put oh, out. Oh, yeah. Weld, Weldworks had Fitbits. Um, Avery had one of those, like, Gatorade beers or electrolyte beers mm-hmm. or whatever. They had one of those as well. So, I mean, the article goes on to say that is another trend in, you know, this low ABV thing. But they're also mentioning, you know, this is what Carlton, our friend from Casey Beer Co., was saying last year. The fact that simple Reinheitsgebot style beers are becoming popular again, things like Hellas, Kolsch, and even light saisons and Pilsners are becoming increasingly popular. I mean, I can tell you just recently, even Boulevard brewed a test. It was a Keller style Pilsner. And dude, I mean, that was probably one of the better Pilsners I've had this side of the the beer stat collaboration we did with them and the best part was this beer was only 3.6 percent wow so i could have two or three of those and be like i have now equated maybe one and a half budweiser's nice you know it's super yeah, well, drinkable well weldworks had a keller too they called it cereal keller but cereal like oh uh, yeah, it, it was actually pretty and it was a really good beer too yeah i love keller's you're seeing a lot of that now. A lot of those Keller style beers, light lagers. I mean, we're getting into Oktoberfest season slowly but surely. And even those beers, you can find those things anywhere from about, you know, five to five and a half percent nowadays. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that this is a seasonal trend and that come October, we don't see a pumpkin spice seltzer. And then it's like, you know, this is, but I mean, that's probably what's going to happen. I'm just wondering whether not like hardcore craft beer people, but just the everyday person, whether they are going to keep going the seltzer trend or they're going to, you know what, I'm going to have a pumpkin ale or I'm going to have, you know, a darker beer. It's just kind of weird to see. Also, you, you want to hear something creepy, Reese? I do. I don't know how many times I said seltzers. Ten seconds ago on this page that I have open just had a Labatt blue light seltzer ad just pop up. Oh, dude. Yeah, they're <laughs> totally listening. Totally. 100%. Hey, that means uh, how many people work at the NSA? That means we have that many listeners on our podcast right now. <laughs> NSA, if you're listening, please. Oh, my gosh. As you said that, the ad changed. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. That is hilarious. Um, yes, oh. NSA, if you're listening, please subscribe to our Patreon account and give us a like on Instagram. <laughs> well, anyway, so from NSAs to IPAs, let's go to the craft beer review segment here. Armando, it is your turn now to review a craft beer after taking a brief sabbatical. What beer will you be reviewing for our audience today? <laughs> I still partied on my day off, but I, it wasn't as much this time, so I was able I was able to rally for the for our loyal listeners today. Today I'm going to be reviewing uh, another gift beer. It's it's gift beer month, baby. Uh, a Heck gift yeah. beer from Sir Reese. It is Victory Dance uh, American IPA from Single Speed Brewing. 
Oh, baby. I love it. Keep getting that single speed on here, man. I yeah, cracked man. one of their hellas I don't have recently. much left. It's so crispy. I, I had the uh, coffee espresso stout a couple days ago. That was super good. Yep. GABF winner, baby. Yeah, that was that was a solid beer. Well, while we get going on this, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, we review our beers in five categories, starting with aroma, appearance, flavor, mouthfeel, and aftertaste. We give each of those categories a rating from 1 to 10 and carry on sequentially. So Armando, without further ado, crack that bad boy open and let us know how it smells. All right. Ooh, that smells really good, actually. It's, um, you get some pineapple, you get some grapefruit, uh, citrus on the note as well in the nose. Um, I did think it would smell like that because I, it didn't look like a hazy or a double, but... Um, if you were to not know this was just a regular American IPA, it definitely is more on the on the citrusy, hazy side over the piney side that you would get for an American. Um, love the smell. You know, you know I love those citrusy smells. How about an 8.6? 8.6. Good start. Good start. Moving on next, we have appearance. What does that Victory Dance American Style IPA look like? Okay. In the glass, oh, that, this looks pretty good. It's, it's, it's clear. It's golden. Um, there is no haze to it, which is amazing because the smell you would you would just assume that it, it's going to be a little hazier, but it's not. It's a, uh, it's clear. You can see right through it. A nice golden color. You could even be mistaken for a lager. Um, great head retention as well. Uh, it looks like it's going to be freshing and delicious. I cannot wait. An eight point two. 8.2. All right. I like coming out with two eights on this beer. I agree with you on the fact that it's not as hazy as you would think if you're doing like a blind smell test and then looking at it. I would liken the amount of haze in that to say, uh, ironically, hazy little thing from who puts that out? Sierra Nevada? Oh, yeah. Sierra Nevada. Short. You know, it's, it's about that level. Like I, I describe it to people as like a training wheels hazy into a hazy IPA. Sure. Yeah, but this isn't about me. This is about your opinion of the beer. And next <laughs> opinion of the beer I need is what is the flavor like on that beer? My favorite. Wouldn't it be funny if it was like your least favorite? And you're just like, oh, I hate tasting the beers. It's everyone's <laughs> least favorite part of the podcast. Don't make me. <laughs> oh, this is great. Yeah. Oh, that's solid, man. Yeah. So I, I get a, a lot from the taste here. Pretty dank, pretty sweet as well. Um, I, I love dank and sweet together. That's why I love like an American IPA that really goes into the hop profiles and really like makes it similar to maybe a hazy IPA because mm -hmm. I don't know what the hop profile is on this, but I mean, you're getting a, like I said, a ton of citrus, a ton of tropical notes, um, also some floral in there, maybe some apricot too. That's yummy. Uh, all making it very refreshing all the while being crispy too. Um, a, a very immense um, flavor profile on here. I like it. Let me do one more sip real quick. Yeah, it's good. You also even get like a, a heavy malt feel almost. I know there's not malt in it, but but you know when you have like a malty beer, it is a little is a little heavy on the taste, which is which is cool. I mean that it's a lot of different blends of almost different styles into one. Even though of course it's just a American IPA, but I respect all the flavors that I am tasting. Great beer. Um, 9.1. You know, it's super interesting that you picked up on those notes because 
you know, a lot of those are verbatim from what they have on their website about the beer. Uh, single speed says hints of apricot, peaches, and grapefruit. Huh. So, number one, good job. It translated <laughs> to the real world. Number two, you specifically picked that up. You know, apricot is a little bit difficult. Some people are like, it tastes like sour peach. And I'm like, what you're describing is apricot. Yeah, no, actually, so, you, you, you get the apricot pretty prominently on this one. Um, which, yeah, you're right. It's not a flavor that I would... You know, I don't have apricots lying at home. I mean, I'm living in a motel right now, so I really don't have apricots lying at home because that'd be weird. Um, but yeah, no, it's actually a very distinct flavor that I I, I normally don't taste on other um, on other IPAs. So that's cool. Love it. Yeah, very American. And it's also nice the fact that it's you know a hazy IPA that's not just like an El Dorado Southern Hemisphere bomb. You know, I, I right, love those right. hops. Don't get me wrong, right. but. You know, it's it's nice having a hazy IPA. It's a little bit different than you think. You know what you're gonna get. Does it anyway? Does it say what hops they use on the website? Um, I'm just assuming Citra. I don't know what the dankness is. Could be Idaho Seven. Could be. I'm just you cannot in there. Or you cannot. Yep. Oh yeah, El Dorado Centennial Citra and Azaka. Ooh, Azaka. That could be it. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. cent- Centennial. Also, that's gonna be it. I think the trick is they also throw American Ale yeast in there. That's. Oh. It's interesting for an IPA. Yeah, I'm not too keen on yeasts, so I, I couldn't tell the difference. But So 9.1 on the flavor is a pretty high praise coming from Hot Take Mondo, a guy who likes his IPAs. So moving on next to the fourth category, it looks interesting for a hazy IPA. It tastes interesting for a hazy IPA. Does the mouthfeel follow suit? Is it an interesting mouthfeel for a hazy IPA? Yeah, kind of like what I said before, um, the maltiness gives it a little, a little more um, heavy mouthfeel than without that malty flavor. Um, the crispiness of the IPA juxtaposed the heaviness of the malt. So it's a nice balance of that light and that and that heavy. Uh, more light than, than most, though. I was just kind of really picking out that malt. Um, so overall light, it's nice. It's 6.7 and you can't really tell. Uh, definitely, I wouldn't say it's crushable because it, it is a little dank, uh, but great balance though. Great balance of all that stuff. So how about an 8.8? All right. Doing great at 8.8. That means number five, we have aftertaste. What is the aftertaste like on this uniquely hazy IPA? Yeah, you definitely, um, lose the sweetness on the aftertaste and it's primarily focused on that dank flavor more of that pininess a little bit of i guess you get more of the grapefruit because you lose that apricot sweet and sour mix and the peach sweet and sour mix then you get a lot of that grapefruit sour on the end which is pretty nice i i enjoy that i enjoy the mix of it you know it's not the same going down how about 8.2 all right it's been great ratings up to the first five categories and now to the surprise of no one, our not so secret sixth category, BDQ, or boy, does this quench my thirst? <laughs> Big songs drinkability quotient. What is the wild card factor on this beer, Hot Take Mondo? You know, putting a bow on this segment, I'll go back to what we talked about in the beginning and kind of this just like, you know, when when I went to parties, Reese, 
it wasn't always oh. just PBR. You know, there, 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 and I'm not talking college party. I'm, I'm talking post college. You know, going to a gathering. Craft beer was always featured somewhere. You know, post twenty one parties, and you're mm-hmm. just not seeing that anymore. So I appreciate I, I appreciate single speed taking the time to make a very good IPA that has a lot of flavor that has a lot of nuance to it in what I hope is not a dying breed of style because of these seltzers and all these young kids just chugging these seltzers. I saw someone uh, drink a Mike's Harder lemonade today at dinner. Couldn't believe it, man. Couldn't believe it. Um, So because of this beautifully made IPA, I will give it a 9.7 BDQ. Oh, 9.7 on the nostalgia factor for Armando. Very, you know, very well made it. And Reese, not that I thought that single speed was going to be bad, just hadn't heard about it when you talked about it. And I know it was a hometown thing for you. And you're like, dude, you got to try it. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, it's, it's, you know, Reese is being a homer here. I've never heard of this brewery. Boy, was I wrong, Reese. This, you know, I think I've had, what, four different styles from Single Speed? They've all been solid beers, man. Shout out to Single Speed. You guys are doing a great job up there in Iowa. Shout out to Single Speed. Like I said, they had a serious glow up from when I was in college and having their beers. So, I mean, I don't know what the, I don't know what to give credit for on that. I don't know if it's, you know, new brewers or new systems. Just the fact they have like a giant operation now in Waterloo so they can get all this stuff made easier. But there you go. Or maybe Toppling Goliath, you know, really set the standard. Now, you know, breweries, they're not messing around Iowa. Dude, absolutely not messing around at all. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time to mess around with everybody today on Fountain City Sports Media. We are moving on to the end of the show. I just want you to know we have some awesome Kansas City Chiefs action coming up in the coming weeks as we are now officially in training camp. So watch for some preseason talk to be hitting soon. We'll be talking Sporting Kansas City as they continue their march towards the postseason. And uh, yeah, keep an eye out for some live stream action coming your way. Hot Take Mondo, anything else you want to say to our listeners before we head out? No, I mean, I would say, you know, really, we are very excited for Chiefs season. You know, I'm always keeping tabs on what's happening in training camp. So there's a ton of content that's about to happen. So, you know, stick with us, Kansas City fans. We appreciate you staying with us thick and thin. Uh, But just wait for what's in store because, boy, boy, do we have a lot of talk about Reese. I'm pumped. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content, including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. Sports Media.